Eso. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. What does it mean to labor? What does it mean to work? Labor comes from the Latin word labo, which means to fail, believe it or not, exertion of muscular strength or bodily exertion which occasions weariness, particularly the exertion of the limbs in occupations by which subsistence is obtained, like in agriculture and manufacturing. Yes. So what is obtained by labor? Then there's intellectual exertion. Application of the mind, which occasions weariness, as the labor of compiling and writing a history or writing a book, just like I was doing today. Exertion of mental powers, united with bodily employment, like the labors of the apostles in propagating the Christian faith. And it's work or work to be done, that which requires wearisome exertion. And the word work appears at least 380 times in the Bible. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at this matter of working. We're going to take a look at this matter of labor on Labor Day. And I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today is no exception. So, it's hard to believe, perhaps, that the word work or the word labor, or laboring, or laborers, and so on, appears so many, many times in the Bible. In fact, if you look at all the permutations and combinations of the word work, or workers, or worketh, and the word labor, and laborers, and so on, I think there's close to 700 times when those words, six, 700 times when those words actually appear. So why is there such a reaction against the word work? Why is there such a reaction against the idea of laboring? Well, perhaps it has a theological foundation, for the Scripture does tell us that we can't enter into the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven by our own works, so that we won't be proud of having accomplished so much. So Jesus himself did the final work. So then why is it that Jesus himself talked about laboring to enter into his rest? Why is it that the book of Hebrews talks about laboring into laboring to enter into his rest? What in the world is that supposed to mean? Well, let's talk about those things here today on Viewpoint. I'm glad that you joined us. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And indeed, it's worthy to celebrate or remember or value those who labor among us. In the last year or so, since my wife and I relocated our residence, uh, not too far away from our previous residence, but we did relocate our residence in order to, shall we say, step down in terms of total maintenance, 
step down in terms of uh, uh, space and so on and the cost thereof. But what we discovered is that there were so many things that had to be done with regard to the new location, the new residence, that we spent the last year finding, discovering all of these different things, some of which we knew about through previous investigation, but the total expense of which we had no idea was going to come about. So here is a a little bit of a list of the kind of laborers that we have had to experience over the past year. Electricians, yes, and uh, landscapers, and those who remove trees, and those who, well, HVAC, you know, air conditioning and so on in the midst of the heat, we've had to do that. We've had to deal with carpenters. We've had to deal with cabinet makers. We've had to deal with so many people, including floor refinishers, people that installed appliances or removed appliances, plumbers, and so on. And we have gained a great respect for workers, laborers, people that work with their hands that have skills that we ourselves do not have. And yet it's interesting, increasingly in the West, and particularly in America, very few, increasingly few of our young people are interested in laboring. In fact, so lacking in interest in laboring that it's very difficult for businesses to find laborers, to find people who are willing to work. And so, yes, indeed, one of the reasons for the motivation for illegal immigration is to bring in laborers for the hire, laborers to work in the fields, laborers to work in the landscaping, laborers to work as well, in just about every area, because Americans don't want to work. Have you noticed that? Well, if you were a businessman and you had a business, even if you had, say, a restaurant, you would realize that the laborers are few. It's very hard to get laborers, and particularly those who will show up. Recently, I was at the post office, well, frequently always at the post office, and I noticed that uh, it seemed like the laborers at the front desk were few. And so I made an inquiry, and the great lament went up, as it does frequently, we just can't seem to get workers who will work. One instance involved a person who uh, was hired and uh, was on the payroll, so to speak, of the United States Post Office, but didn't show up for work. Just plain didn't show up for work. Periodically didn't show up for work. And then when they did show up, they showed up late, maybe an hour, maybe two hours late. Why? They just didn't want to work. And do you know there's a lot of Christians like that? They just don't want to work. They don't want to work in the kingdom of God. They know that there's supposed to be a kingdom of God, but and that there's a king in the kingdom, but they don't want to do his will. They just don't want to do it because they've been told salvation is free. 
No work here. Just rest on your lawyer loyals, uh, laurels and everything will be wonderful. Everything will be cool and somebody else will do it. And at very least, Jesus did it because you don't work to get into heaven. Are we getting to make a little bit of sense here? It all seems so strange, doesn't it? This matter of work and laboring, especially when we are told in the book of Genesis that God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested from all his work or labor. Really? Why do we need to rest if we're not working? Stay tuned, friends. This is you. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Work done or to be done, that which requires wearisome exertion, including mental powers, united with bodily employment as the labors of the apostles in propagating Christianity. Or travail, the Bible talks about travail. So why is it that the book of Revelation talks about Christians resting from their labors? Were they supposed to labor? And if they weren't supposed to labor, then why is it they need to rest? All of that here on Viewpoint today on Labor Day. I value laborers. I just never learned to do so many of the things that laborers do. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't labor. I do. I labor mentally. I labor physically. I do a lot of work uh, concerning landscaping, and so it's somewhat of a hobby. In fact, I told my grandsons that I prepared and taught how to labor and to do skillful things concerning landscaping. I taught them how to endure. You have to endure the hard work. But there's value in it when you begin to see the fruit of your labor, the fruit of your labor. And so, I also told them, I will never do anything, I will never do require you to do anything that I have not done first. Well, isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus basically said, look, uh, you follow me, I follow the Father, you follow me, you do what I do, you say what I say, just like I do what the Father says, and I say what he says, in other words, I labor to do the work of him that sent me. So Jesus turned around and he told his followers, now you labor to do the work of him that sent you. As the Father sent me, now even so I send you. But Jesus also said, the, 
enter in, call the laborers into the harvest because there are so few laborers in the harvest. So here's a question that I have for you. Are you a laborer in the harvest? Are you a laborer in the harvest? You say, well, you know, I, I just don't have those skills. I don't have that ability. I don't do, well, there are different aspects of laboring in the harvest, just as there are different aspects of laboring, for instance, in the building of a house or in any other kind of work. And all of those are necessary for the building of the house, whether it be a plumber, whether it be uh, a landscaper, whether it be a framer, uh, whether it be an electrician, a roofer, they're all necessary. They all have skills that are necessary in the building of the house. The same is true in the building of the Lord's house, you see. And we're not talking about the building of a physical church building. We're talking about the building of the house of the Lord because actually we're told that you and I are the temple of the living God. We're the temples of the Holy Spirit. How is that built? How is that temple built? Well, it's temple, that temple is built by discipling, by teaching, by preaching, by prophesying, by exhorting, uh, by acts of service and mercy and so on. That's what those uh, seven gifts are for, right there in uh, the book of Romans, chapter 12. There are seven motivational gifts, and they're right there. Also, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul wrote about those. And there are things that you and I are to be doers of. So why is it that Jesus' brother, if we're so against the word work and so against the word labor or laboring, why is it that Jesus' brother said, You show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works, because faith without works is dead. In other words, it's a sham. It's meaningless. It has no content. Faith without works is dead being alone. No, we can't be saved by our works. God doesn't want any prideful person, man or woman, to come into the kingdom of God. Because we're not saved by our works. We're saved by God's grace or unmerited faith. Because of his mercy, he saved us. If we would receive, that's an act of, shall we say, submissive work, surrender, we receive his free gift by surrendering. That's something we have to do. We have to surrender. We have to receive. And then once we've surrendered and received his free gift, from that point on, God requires that you and I be laborers in his field, in his vineyard. So Jesus talks increasingly over and over about being laborers in the vineyard. His parables demonstrate the requirement for labor in the kingdom of God. And you and I have different responsibilities, different callings, different gifts, and so on, 
but they are to be used. In other words, we are to labor or use the various gifts that God has given us to do his will. Does this all seem rather confusing? Or does it really make more sense than we would care to admit? And perhaps our theology is a little bit skewed because so many people, when they hear the word work, all of a sudden their hackles go up and they reject the word work. They reject the word works. They reject the word labor. No, everything is free. Everything is easy. Sounds like an entitlement mentality, doesn't it? Do we have in the church today an entitlement mentality? Do you have an entitlement mentality? That you can sit back on your laurels and do nothing? When the Bible says that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. Notice how much this word work or doing and uh, laboring appears in the scripture hundreds and hundreds of times. Would God use those words if he didn't want them to be real in our lives? Would the New Testament use those words? Paul, the apostle, labored. He labored diligently. The Bible says he urged people to labor with their own hands. He didn't want people to have a spirit of entitlement. In fact, he said that if you don't labor or work, you should not even eat. Hmm. So, there is a work that we need to do. Even repentance is a kind of work. It requires that you and I confess our sin. That's an overt action, a transitive action you and I must do. Confess our sin, and then when we do that with honesty and integrity of heart, with deep sorrow over our sin, He, God then, is faithful and just to forgive our sin. We can't forgive our sin. He does. But you and I must confess it. There is a certain work attached to that. In other words, we have to act. In a sense, you could say, we actually are partners with God. We cannot do what God alone can do. But we must do what God requires of us to do on the earth. And isn't it interesting? From the very beginning, from the very creation, when God created humankind, Adam and Eve, he gave them a responsibility to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He also gave them a responsibility to work and be stewards of the earth, whatever that was going to require. In other words, he expected them to work, to labor. He gave humankind responsibility on this planet to work, to labor. So there's value in work. But we can't save ourselves spiritually by work. But we have to work. We must work. And to the extent that we don't work and we're not doers of the word, 
trusting God at every point, we're actually betraying the Lord himself who worked and told us to labor to enter into his rest. Wow. It may seem confusing at first, but it's not confusing when you consider God didn't just set up something, some kingdom that was for idle people. He did not set up some idea, some expectation that was just to to make work, lack of work, an idol so that you and I would sit around in the name of trusting God, we would sit around and twiddle our spiritual thumbs in idleness. In fact, the Apostle Paul came against idleness. Oh, yes, he did. Because idleness breeds, well, the devil's work. It's the devil's workshop, idleness. He wants us to work with our hands. He even told women not to run around idle, but to get into the kingdom business. Otherwise, they would end up rattling their mouths off and bringing all kinds of problems into the church. Now, he didn't use those words, but that's what he was saying. They would run around talking behind people's back. They would run around saying things that should not be said. We don't want to be caught idle in that sense. On the other hand, God wants us to rest to rest and wait patiently for him. How do you do that? Because waiting patiently is a spiritual work. That's why so many people don't want to be patient. They don't want to be patient because it requires a kind of work. You have to labor to be patient. Because if you're not, you're impatient, which becomes the devil's workshop. Is this making any sense yet? Now, before we go any further here today on Viewpoint, I want to uh, uh, open up an opportunity, a special opportunity for you. This opportunity is available this month alone, the month of September. Every single one of my books is available to you for your gift of $10 or more to Save America Ministries. $10 or more, every single one of them, except for Antichrist and Messiah. Every single one of them. Even books that were $23, yours for $10. During the month of September, we want to get these messages out, and we want to make it possible for you to see the way to become a, shall we say, a laborer in the kingdom to use your particular place, your particular, uh, uh, shall we say, the place where you can bloom where you're planted, your environment, your influence, wherever that might be, in the workplace, in your families, or whatever, to use that to get the message out. In other words, to get multiple copies of those books 
at such a very, very low price to give them to your pastor, your parachurch leaders, your family, uh, neighbors, friends, whatever it happens to be. On the website, saveus.org, you will be able to do that. They've all been marked in that regard. Whatever is marked in that regard is yours for $10. Now, on top of that, it's $5 for postage and handling. By the way, that barely, barely covers our postage and handling, sometimes not at all, because of the expense now that the post office has increased. But here's the interesting thing. The first book is is $5. All other books after that are $2. Yeah, only $2. So that is for postage and handling. Take advantage of this during September only. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. The Father worketh hitherto, and so I work, said Jesus. Really, Jesus worked? That's what he said. He was a laborer in the vineyard. He came, he was sent by the Father to this planet to be the Word made flesh, to do and reveal the works of God. The works of God. And so he labored even to the obedience on the cross. Obedience. Have you ever thought of the word obedience or obey as a work of the gospel? Apparently it is. Because it requires you to do something. You see, salvation is free, but the works of the kingdom are not. So we are born again, the scripture says, to do good works. And by their works, you shall know them. That is, by their fruit, you shall know them. Our works reveal our fruit. And the fruit reveals the root. You see, when we think about Labor Day, we don't usually think about things like this. They just pass right over us. And we get all worked up over the word work and works because we know that we're not saved by our works, lest any man should boast. 
But on the other hand, Jesus' brother said that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. It seems that with distorted and perverted theology, we have actually disemboweled the word of God from the very works of God. Maybe that's one of the reasons why the kingdom of God is failing, particularly in the West. Because we had this idea and have perpetrated this idea that we're just here to have a good time. Yes, the joy of the Lord should be our strength as we do the work of the kingdom. Otherwise, why do we need strength? We need the strength to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We need the strength in our minds and our hearts to obey. For obedience is better than sacrifice. And to hearken or respond or listen than the fat of rams. Notice every single one of these ideas requires we do something. We do it in response. You say, well, God is love. Yes, he is. He loves you so much that he expects you to work. He expects you to be a doer of his word and his will, just as Jesus was a doer of the Father's will and worked accordingly. Jesus said, I do the works of him that sent me. I work for the night is coming when no man can work. So Jesus turns around and he says to you and to me, work for the night is coming when no man can work. Really, when is that? When is the night coming? Well, friends, if you haven't noticed, the night is here. It's darkening. Just as the days are shortening, as you begin to approach Labor Day after June 21st, the longest day of the year, you begin to see the light of the day is shortening. The same is true spiritually. That's why Jesus said, you can discern the skies. Why is it you cannot discern the signs of the times? If we really understood the signs of the times, we would work for the night is coming. What would we do? Well, what do you think you should do? What do you think God wants you to do? I'm, I'm talking to you. God is talking to you. Now, I can't see the whites of your eyes. I don't know what color your hair is or whether you brush your teeth this morning. <laughs> but God is saying to you, I want you to be a doer of my word, not just a hearer, and I want you to be a laborer in my harvest. I want you to be building my kingdom. Now, Jesus said, you make disciples. Oh, now, wait a minute. That's something I have to do? Yes, Jesus is not making disciples, friends. He called you and me to make disciples. He said, you make disciples, and I'll build my church. Well, guess what we decided to do? We decided to build churches and not make disciples. And now we have an undiscipled nation. We have lots of church buildings, big ones. But the works that we've been doing were not the works of the kingdom. They were the works of the flesh. 
and that's why they reap corruption. How does the building of churches or the building of mega churches uh, bring about corruption? It corrupts the heart of the gospel because in order to build those churches and get larger and larger numbers, it requires that we dilute or diminish the force, the truth of the gospel and its application in our lives. That's why you can find people flocking to mega churches for an hour or two hours on a Sunday or whenever it is they're coming together, but very few of them are doers of the word. They have a complete misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means to do the works of Christ. It means to do the works of the Father. It means to obey. So if that be true, then why is it the word obey has fallen on such hard times? It's fallen on hard times because we have completely redefined the work of the kingdom and turned our thinking into spiritual indolence, laziness. Our forefathers didn't think that way. I'm not talking about our political forefathers. They didn't think that way either. But I'm talking about our spiritual forefathers. They had a completely different understanding of what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to follow Christ. To follow Christ meant to be a doer of the will of Christ every day, in every way. Jesus said, my work is to do the work of him that sent me. My meat, my sustenance, my substance, my purpose, my existence is to do the will of him that sent me. Then he turned around and said, as the Father sent me now, even so I send you. Send you to do what? To do the works of him that sent me, to do the works of him that's sending you. So he wants us Yes, he wants us to love like Jesus loved. He wants us to speak the truth like Jesus did and stop playing around with the culture of the day. He doesn't want us to use the words of the culture. He wants us to use the words of Christ. I'm not talking about thee, thou. and Those aren't the words of Christ. Those are the words of 16th, 15th century or 16th century English. No, he wants us to speak clearly. He does not want us to use the word gay. He does not want us to use the words that the culture is misappropriating for its own ungodly purposes. Are you listening? When we do that, when we use words that the culture has twisted, for its own purposes, we are actually not doing the works of the kingdom. We're actually, through our mouths, doing the works of Satan, of the deceiver. That's why he uses language to deceive. Did you know that somebody who uses language is doing work? It's been said that when a person speaks for a couple of hours, with passion, it's as if they worked an eight-hour day as a laborer. 
one of the things that I've noticed is that when I speak, for some reason, even though I'm not realizing that I'm working because I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm doing what I feel that the Father has asked me to do, I find myself exhausted. And I figure, why do I feel exhausted? It's because I've been working. Working sometimes involves emotions. It involves your words. It involves your thinking. It involves your passion. It involves all of these kinds of things. So where is your passion? Are you passionately following the Lord? Or are you passively following the Lord? If you're passively following the word, Lord, there's, there's no work involved. You're resting on your lawyer, laurels. You think that because you made a confession of faith 20 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever, that somehow that's the end of the game. No, friend, that's the beginning. A child that is born doesn't begin to work from our perspective until the child is weaned, and then beyond that, begins to do things that we expect of children who are growing and maturing to do. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, and then by age 12, he was doing the works of the kingdom by speaking to the religious leaders of his day and baffling them. That was a work of the kingdom at 12 years of age. There are young people today on the internet. My wife has pointed some of these out to me. It's astounding. Kids that are somewhere between five and 12 years old who are passionately communicating the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, they are really spokespersons. They are doing the work of the kingdom. They're laborers in the harvest. How about you? This is just a test. Just checking. We'll be right back. It's late. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hmm. See your good works? How are we to fulfill Jesus' words if we're not doing the works of the kingdom? 
We're to be laborers in the kingdom. The following Christ is not, shall we say, an easy day for a lady. Women and men who are followers of the Lord with a whole heart are going to be engaged in doing the will of God, that is the works of God, and they're going to be doing it because of the calling of God that is without repentance to enable them to do what he expects them to do. That's what the grace of God is for. The grace of God is not some slippery slope to enable us to slide down some uh, greased, like greased lightning down some slope on the way to heaven. No, the grace of God is his uh, favor, unmerited favor, yes, but it's his enabling power to equip and encourage and guide us to do his will, to enable us to do his will. That's what his grace is for. Not to overlook our sin has nothing to do with overlooking our sin. Mercy is what leads God to offer us repentance. Mercy, God's mercy, is what leads us to repentance. But who has to do the repenting? You do and I do. That means having confessed Christ as Savior or confessed our sin, then we turn from it. Now, turning requires work. In fact, it requires so much work in the heart and in the spirit that very few people ever repent. Lots of people want to confess because, well, they say confession is good for the soul. But confession isn't what pleases God. That's just the first step or work of salvation. The next step is turning from our sin. And when we do that, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin. He's the one that forgives through his mercy. We're the ones that have to confess and repent. That is the work of salvation, if you want to call it that. But it is, because if it were not, we would have far more people who are not just confessing, but repenting. Repenting is very hard. Because we don't want to turn from our sin. We don't want to turn from our righteousness. We don't want to turn from our porn. We don't want to turn from uh, our addiction to this, that, or the other. We don't want to do those things. We want what we want, what we want, what we want, and we don't want to please God. Not really, only in theory. Because if we really wanted to please God, we would do the will of God, wouldn't we? So we're to repent from dead works, the Bible says, to serve the living God. Repent from dead works to serve the living God. Serving, that requires work, labor, spiritual labor. We're to provoke others, the Bible says, unto love and good works. Provoke. That's what we're doing right here on the program today, provoking unto love and good works. You cannot do the works of the kingdom 
unless you have the love of the Father in you. Because that's foundational. If God is love, then you and I are supposed to be love. And therefore, the Apostle Paul said, Be therefore imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Imitators. Hmm. You can't imitate without doing something, my friend. Are you beginning to get the theme? You and I are supposed to be doers of the word. We are not supposed to be like people in our culture today who have an entitlement mentality that somehow we've made it into the kingdom and that's the end of the story and I'm on my back doing what I want to do, languishing out there, just sitting in my spiritual hammock day after day after day until Jesus comes. No. That's not what he calls us to do. Now, again, for those of you who are just turning in here on Labor Day, I want to make clear to you the special offer that we have for the month of September. All of my books, 10 books, there might only be nine there on our website, They're all available to you for your gift of $10 to Save America Minis or more, whatever. $10. Why? That is excluding those that are not listed for $10, which there may be two or three that are not listed for $10. All the rest of them are available to you for $10. Why? Because we want to get the message out as quickly as possible. Why is that? Because Jesus is coming soon, friends. This is a work of the kingdom. That's what we do here. And yours truly receives no on-the-ground, in human economics, no remuneration for this work. None. And never has. No salaries. There isn't a single person who receives a salary or any kind of remuneration from your donations to Save America Ministries. None. They all go to advancing the kingdom and getting the message out. It's true. That's the only reason we're able to survive on such a small budget because the laborers out there are very few. Not even having a vision that their giving is a work of the kingdom. They don't have that vision. Not very many. So, we're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Preparing, that requires work. It requires diligence to prepare every day for this radio program. Do I feel lament or am I perspiring over that kind of work? No. No, because it's joyful. I'm glad to have this opportunity. Are you glad that God has put you in the positions where you are so that you can affect the life of many, that people will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven? Are people seeing those good works? Hmm. 
just asking. I, I don't know you. But God does. And we're right here on the near edge of the second coming. As I write this uh, book, uh, The Coming Persecution, it's amazing to me, just amazing to me, how unbelievable the persecution is rising. The voices all over the world are warning us, even in the United States of America. There will be an entire chapter dealing with the persecution rising in the U.S. of A. How could it possibly be? It's that way because we're at the end of the age, friends, and we need to be working for the night is coming when no man can work, no woman can work. In other words, what we have done, we will have done. What we have not done, we will not have done. No, you can't save anybody. Only God can save people. Don't think that you and I can save anyone. No, what we do is the works of the kingdom so that God, by his spirit, can save them. That's why you and I must do the work of patience. We work patiently, and then we wait patiently for the Lord. Do you know that waiting patiently is tremendous work? That's why so many people don't want to be patient, because it's too much work. (laughs) Maybe you never thought about it that way. Love is work. To show the light of Christ is work. Jesus said, I am the light of the world when he was here. Then he turned around and said, I'm out of here. Now you're the light of the world. Now how are you going to be light and salt if you're not doing the works that produce light and salt? Are you beginning to get the point? There is something about the calling of a follower of Jesus Christ that must be a doer of the word. In other words, we've got to get with the program. Now, if you go to the book of Revelation, you find out. The letters to the seven churches of Asia. Here's what God says. Here's what Jesus said to these churches. I know thy works and thy labor. Really? That's what God was looking at. I know your works and your labor. Next, I know your works and tribulation. Next, I know your works and where you are. Next, I know your works and charity. Next, faith and your patience and your works. Next, one of you according to your works. Next, keepeth my works unto the end. Next, I know your works that you have. Next, found your works. I have not found your works perfect before God. Next, I know your works. Next, I know your works that you are, well, that's the church of Laodicea. Absolutely sickening to me because you do not do the works of him that sent me, of him that came. So, On Labor Day, friends, you and I 
need to come to a place of valuing laborers. We really should. I tell you, with every week that passes, I value laborers the more so. And God has brought forth to my wife and I a variety of different laborers. No, not on the cheap, but people who want to do a good work, who have a good attitude about their work, and who desire to do good works in the particular field in which they work. God wants us to be able to work with our hands. He doesn't necessarily want everybody to go to college because there they're being taught unrighteous works. Hmm. Hate to say it, but it's true. And going into debt hugely to do it. There's value in working with our hands, friends. There's value in doing the things that are necessary in life to serve others and to be a blessing. You cannot be a blessing unless you're doing the works to bless. It's not just a matter of speaking words, bless you, my brother. No. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, says, don't just say things like that. Do something about it. Don't just say be warm and and comforted or I'll pray for you. Do something about it. Be doers of the word and not just hearers of the receive our own selves. I hope this has been somewhat helpful. In any event, not beating a dead horse, we want to bring the horse back to life, friends, so that he can do what horses are supposed to do. You, You get the point. Thanks for joining us again. All of my books, $10 on the website, saveus.org, or you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. And has God been stirring you at some point to be a doer of the word and to give, actually, with a cheerful heart, maybe even to this ministry? You might want to act on it. Or deceive yourself. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.